Wednesday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And yes, it is also game day for the Toronto Raptors. Much to uh, many people's chagrin, the Raptors will be playing tonight in Chicago against the Bulls and get out your bingo card. Uh, <laughs> actually, don't even bother getting out your bingo card. I don't think anybody's hitting bingo tonight. There's going to be a lot of empty squares uh, as the Raptors are trying to patchwork it and get set for tonight against Chicago in the Windy City. And Jonesy, it was just a couple of days ago we were eyeballing this game and the, the chance the chance to get to 500. And listen, hey, there still is a chance to get to 500. Stranger things have happened, including even just last week when the Brooklyn Nets, yes, albeit with one of the greatest of all time still in their lineup, but otherwise a roster filled out with uh, many names many folks hadn't even heard of, guys that were playing in only their, their third or fourth game period, and they still came up with an overtime victory over the Raptors. So stranger things, you still got to go out and play the game. Uh, and never underestimate the competitive heart and fire of a professional athlete, of a person in general, and a lot of guys that are going to be hungry uh, to show what they are worth and 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 to show that this ten day, this emergency call up uh, is maybe a, a springboard for uh, a budding career or a restart to a career for a guy like Nick Stauskas. So uh, never count them out, but certainly the Raptors going into tonight extremely undermanned. Very, very undermanned, Eric. And uh, it's interesting. You and I have seen a lot of uh, a lot of noise, a lot of chatter on social media about, uh, I guess, the equity, the the, the competitive uh, balance when it comes to this game. How, what was it, a week ago on the seventeenth, less than a week ago, the Raptors were to play the Bulls, and the Bulls had. I believe 10 players in protocol and the NBA just said, okay, forget it. We're going to postpone the game till another time. And Monday, the Orlando magic had a number of guys in protocol and they they just said, okay, we're going to postpone it. And yet here are the Raptors with seven guys in protocols. And I, I would say with no disrespect to anybody else, those are seven rotation players, right? There's not, there's nobody there that you would consider like on the fringe. All of those guys play. As a matter of fact, Nick Nurse plays everybody. Um, and yet here they are. They head to Chicago to play with six guys that we know of. And as you said, probably four or five more guys that they are in the process of signing or going to sign. And there's a lot of noise, a lot of tweets, you know, the old at me asking me, well, why doesn't the NBA postpone this game? Why are they basically making the Raptors play and in the eyes of some fans um, giving Chicago a win when they could have done the same thing last week? And, and one person had a great tweet at me. And where is Toronto public health? <laughs> like, like and I, I'm not trying to get into anybody's business, but their their question to me was, and I had to respond, I don't know. The question was, uh, in jeopardy form, Alex? The answer is, I don't know. The question is, why isn't public health shutting down the Toronto Raptors and de- declaring it an outbreak and not letting them travel and making the whole team quarantine because there are positive cl- cases and you're, and you're right with a close contact, regardless of vaccination status, you quarantine for 10 days. I, I don't know. I wish I had an answer for the person that asked me. I'm not in Toronto public health, but... That's that's a logical question, isn't it? Uh, it's 
a million percent a logical question, Jonesy. And, and, and as we were, you know, firing the intro music, I typed this out, which which pretty much says what you just says said um, in whatever it is. What is it now? 280 characters? Why the Toronto at Chicago game wasn't postponed with the Raptors having to unnecessarily cross the border and missing seven legit rotation players is beyond me. Oh, well, lace them up, go to battle with the Bulls. Stranger things have happened. Let's go. And that was a response to a retweet to the news that came just before the music hit, in case you missed it, Jonesy, or for folks that are learning for the first time. The NBA has announced that they have postponed the Thursday night game between Brooklyn and Portland. So can anybody explain to me, just to piggyback what you already just said, why Brooklyn and Portland are postponed tomorrow, but Toronto and Chicago are not postponed tonight when it's the only game in the league between now and and Boxing Day that would involve any team having to cross a border into another country, which to me adds an added layer to all of the other stuff and all the other protocols that the other 29 teams face. It's ridiculous that the NBA didn't postpone tonight's game. And what they're doing is bringing out those those conspiracy theory people that the league doesn't like Toronto. I, I, I don't have a logical explanation for it. Um, I don't know. Maybe the fact that if you're the Raptors and you're the league, you're looking at the Raptors, well, you've already, you've already got to find two makeup days. Uh, do we want to keep piling these up? Do we want to keep saying, okay, well, we'll just find another one. We'll just find another one. Um, although I would have to look back. I don't know off the top of my head. I haven't been tracking how many postponed games Chicago has or how many postponed games, you know, Orlando now has or Brooklyn now has. I'm just, I think it's kind of one, one here, there. I think the Raptors probably are near the top in in postponements with two or three, right? I don't know. Maybe yeah. somebody can look that up. I, I guess I should know that, but, um, yeah, I would be inclined to, you know, postpone the game. And, uh, and I would love to know if there's anybody medical people listening. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to get in their business or get in their kitchen and, and rattle, rattle pots and pans and, and nasty it up. But I just want to know if there's a health people out there that can tweet us or, you know, get to our producer, Mark Boffo, why isn't why hasn't Toronto Public Health um, declared the Raptors an outbreak and said everybody connected has to quarantine for ten days? I don't know. Maybe there's an overriding factor there from the NBA, or there's some exceptions there. But I know you got you got a, a school aged child. If if somebody in the class is positive and they're all in the class and they're close contacts, everybody goes home. Sorry, <laughs> you know, and that, you know. So I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure where where that is. But that being said, we got a game tonight. Well, it, it, further to that point, Jonesy, and then we can and then we can put it to bed, I guess, because none of it makes sense. You're right. We're dealing with two separate things. Here. It's never going One, to bed, E. Well, I'm just saying us. It's talking never going about to bed. It it's that it's that kid. That, yeah, it's that kid that gets up in the middle of the night ten times to go to the bathroom. Just go to bed. <laughs> or the or the seventy five year old man. <laughs> for for other reasons, he's getting up ten times in the middle of the night. Yes, um, yes. or eighty or eighty-five. Uh, anyway, I what I was trying to say was we're dealing with two separate issues here, right? 
or potentially at least two separate issues. One is why is the league allowing the game? The other is why is Toronto Public Health? Because, again, not rattling cages to use your line, but correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't there multiple people, many people, that were asked to or told to stay home and monitor symptoms and isolate after attending the Giants of Africa event, even though they weren't positive? And weren't there people, including a couple yeah. of our colleagues, that were told to stay home and isolate and monitor for symptoms when they were courtside calling a game, but they were negative, continued to test negative, felt fine, etc., and they were told to stay home for 10 days? So none of it makes sense. And then from a league perspective, I, I, keep, I keep throwing in the border thing, Jonesy, because the Raptors play tonight in Chicago, and then they play the 26th in Cleveland. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to just go, ah, postpone those games, because your, your point is fine, and it's fair, and it's valid. When are you going to make these games up? Maybe I'm naive. I tend to think that shouldn't be that difficult. There are fewer concerts. I'm not saying there aren't concerts. There are fewer concerts and fewer events going on. In Cleveland, I believe they, they still share the, uh, the, the venue with the monsters of the AHL. But I've got to assume you're going to be able to find a date to make up that game in Cleveland. Even with the Leafs and every other event going on at Scotiabank Arena, I've got to assume you're going to be able to find dates in Toronto to make up any of the home dates that were postponed. I don't think it's that difficult. And when, like, listen, again, if we're talking three, four, five games, we start getting into 8, 10, 12. Well, you might as well be postponing the season, and if you're going to postpone that many games for one team. But when I think about right now specifically – even if we factor, like, like take out Christmas, take out the holidays because these guys know that a lot of times they don't even have Christmas. We've been the same way, Jonesy. Games on Christmas Day, flights on Christmas Day, being gone for Christmas, missing holidays, it's part of the job. It's part of the deal of knowing this is when my job is from September 1st to July 1st. And I've got, you know, July, August kind of off, quote-unquote, but the other 10 months of the year, it's a complete gong show. And that's what you signed up for, whether you're a broadcaster, you're a trainer, a player, a coach, or otherwise. But right now, to have guys going across a border to then potentially find out that they have it and be stuck in the U.S. and having to quarantine or not even know, but then they test at the border and possibly can't get back into Canada? That's a gong show that they didn't need to put in place. I think they should have not just canceled the the, well, the, the, the Chicago game right now. They should have announced already, we're postponing the Cleveland game on the 26th, and we're allowing the Raptors, who have seven guys now in protocols, and knock on wood, and I'm literally knocking on my desk right now, knock on wood, nobody else, but seven guys currently in the 10-day in the window, if they had shut down the Raptors, that allows Toronto to not just get their, their, their sick healthy by the time the 28th rolls around, which is Toronto's next home game, but it would allow the potential, and I underscore potential, to nip an outbreak in the bud. And it might already be an outbreak with seven guys. But if you can basically say to training staff, coaches, and otherwise, stay away, bunker down, and your first game, your next game, will be on the 28th at home against Philly, that allows you to hopefully nip it in the bud and shut down any other spread to any other players or any other staff. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm, I'm, I'll fully admit if I'm wrong, no, but it seemed no. like that would have been the more logical thing to do. 
Well, if you're trying to con contain it, yeah. I mean, that mm -hmm. <clears throat> that makes total sense. And I'm looking at the other side of the coin, E, from... Um, see, we knew we weren't going to put this to bed. I mean, this is the kid that wants another bedtime story. Um, if you look at the other side of the coin, why didn't Golden State come here? Sure, it was a little bit of rest management on a back-to-back -back for people like Curry and Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins and Iguodala. Yeah, sure, it was a little bit of rest management. But don't tell me they didn't think, oh my goodness, what if we come to Canada where the restrictions are a little bit more uh, stringent and we test positive up there and our best three of our four of our or, or our best player is stuck in another country for 10 days starting on what when did they play the Raptors the 18th until the 28th like never mind Christmas Day there's a few games in there in those 10 10 days and when you're uh, you know the Golden State Warriors and you're in a a neck and neck run with the Phoenix Suns for the number one seed and probably home court at the end of the year, I think those one or two games might matter. Now, it, it, Steve Kerr probably thought, well, they would give a better uh, fight on Saturday night and the Raptors took it at them and blew them out. But um, you can't afford that. Okay, you, you, you let one get away. If one of those guys or two of those guys is positive and has to stay in Canada, have to stay in Canada, you can't let three or four games get away. You can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm I'm with you though. I would just I if I was the NBA, I would I would postpone. And if it means the Raptors have a couple more back to backs in there, or three and four nights, or four and four and six nights, or whatever to make it up, well, so be it. At least you're healthy and you have a better chance at winning those games. Just just my thought. Hey, you know what? Let's go. Let's go bitty ball style. Let's go AAU. Two games in one day, Jonesy. Let's play an 11 a.m. and an 8 p.m. Let's go doubleheader if we have to. You know, it's 2022 soon. G League Showcase. Been... Yes. Come on. Come on. Tell me you wouldn't be willing to or wanting to or able to suit up for two games in one day. Come on. Enough of the coddling. Anyways, oh, all on. right. B back in our back in e back in our high school days, that was like. You made sure you won Friday night so you didn't have the 9 o'clock consolation game on Saturday morning and then like 3.30 and then 7 o'clock consolation final, man. So, you, you you know, two or three games in one day back in those days, not an issue, man. By the way, consolation final, did I tell you I missed the playoffs in my fantasy football league and then I looked at my roster from this past weekend? I would have beat every single playoff team this week. I digress consolation prize it's all for nothing um all right here's the biggest issue jonesy with everything we're talking about and i i think this wraps it up nicely even though we are going to continue on this path and i'm sure we'll get into it with alvin williams when he joins us at the bottom of the hour for alvin williams wednesdays it's the inconsistency why did the lakers play last night and lebron james was playing the five why are the raptors forced to play tonight why is the brooklyn portland game postponed tomorrow why have other games been postponed and and and, uh, and and others continue to play. I don't know. I have no idea. It seems like it's kind of throwing darts blindfolded and, and seeing what sticks to the wall. Adam Silver had a very lengthy conversation yesterday with Malika Andrews from ESPN. And the commissioner of the NBA, hey, listen, shout out to Malika Andrews. I thought it was an outstanding interview. If you have a chance, search it out on YouTube or otherwise. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. But here's just one portion of of the interview with Malik Andrews, and it's Silver trying to talk about the fact that there is no plan 
to hit the pause button on the season. Again, not just one specific game, but the season itself. Here's Commissioner Adam Silver. No plans right now to pause the season. We've, of course, looked at all the options. But frankly, um, we're having trouble coming up with what the logic would be behind pausing right now as we look through these cases, literally ripping through the country right now, putting aside the rest of the world. Um, I think we're finding ourselves where we sort of knew we were going to get to for the past several months, and that is that this virus will not be eradicated, and we're going to have to learn to live with it. And I think that's what we're experiencing in the league right now. Again, Commissioner Adam Silver. Jonesy, I don't wear a lab coat, nor do you. I understand where he's coming from, and and just like the NBA was the uh, beacon, the example, when this all first started in March of 2020, maybe in a different way they end up being an example based on showing that this is potentially a way through it. And again, I have no idea. It could blow up in their face, but maybe this is what we all eventually get to, where it's having to navigate life with vaxxed, unvaxxed, double-vaxxed, triple-vaxxed, anti-vax, virus, new variants, and trying to find a way because, to Silver's point, I think none of us need a lab coat to say, yeah, it's not going away. It's not going away. It will always be there. I mean, SARS and H1N1, they're all still there. They're just not as um, intense as they were when they first popped up, and I think we all hope we get to the point, whether it's in a month, a year, five years, whatever, however long it takes, where – it will always be here. COVID will always be here, but hopefully sooner than later we get to a point where it's something that's at the back of, the, of our mind and something that we just all know is in the world, not something that's at the front of the mind that many are are still fearing or or unsure of, unclear of how to handle. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, it's not going away. I have my own theories, uh, as you said, wearing a lab coat notwithstanding about what the future might look like. Um, you know, I'm not going to throw them out here. I'm not a doctor. And like I said, I do, like you said, I don't, I don't wear a lab coat. I don't uh, have any, you know, medical uh, uh, basis behind it, but uh, just, I, I have my own thoughts, but, um, I, I, and I do agree. We're going to have to learn to live with it. I just don't know. And I, I'm looking at, you know, the competitive side as Commissioner Silver says, and, and don't fool yourself. There's a monetary side as well. Uh, but I'm looking at the competitive side and in trying to make it fair, competitively balanced for everybody. I, I think you have to um, set some criteria down around what games get postponed, what games don't, and even the limits to how many replacement players you can get signed. Like, I think once you're past, to me, once you're past three replacement players, or once you're past seven guys of your, what you would call regular rotation guys that play a certain, pierce a certain threshold of minutes, then to me, the game should be postponed because that, that's not going to be, it doesn't, on paper, it doesn't make it a competitively, balanced game. And I know people are going to say, well, you know, you got Detroit with six wins playing Golden State. Why don't you cancel that game? No, because Detroit's had all summer to put their team together. And that's the best team that they can put on the floor with regulars that they've been practicing with and the guys that have been together. And so like, you're not going to cancel that game. But the Toronto Raptors with seven rotation guys out and flying guys in 
that you know you're gonna have to put a hello my name is tag on for the, the uniform and and you know our our equipment manager a guy Paul Elliott is busy probably ironing names on the back of uniforms or sewing names on the back of uniforms or getting them made or doing that um, you know and making sure the spelling's right uh, like that's to me that's not something that that you want to promote as a league so I, I I understand I understand that the show must go on. Um, you know, there was a piece today from from our, our colleague Dave Festchuk, who I always like to read Dave and his and his sense of humor and his way with words um, about the show must go on. And I get that because there's money involved and I get that. But um, I also think you have to, to weigh the other stuff, too. And um, I agree with Commissioner Silver. It's not going away. We're going to have to learn to live with it. But I, I think we we go slowly when it comes to that as well. All right. Let's uh, let's deal with some action specifically um, on the court last night, and well, we can we can't get away, I suppose, Jonesy, from from the current topic because it was a factor last night. I already kind of briefly hit on it with LeBron playing the five. Uh, Lakers are missing guys. Some of it COVID related, uh, some of it injury related, especially when you talk about Anthony Davis. And there was LeBron James playing the five last night as the Lakers lose by. 18 to the Phoenix Suns, and you look at the standings now and take a peek down at the Western Conference and the Los Angeles Lakers sitting at 500 at 16 and 16, and we are approaching the halfway point of the season. Anyway, after the ball game last night, uh, here is LeBron James. Um, obviously, you know, defensive things change when I'm playing at the five. Um, you know, battle versus a lot of the bigs, but that's fine. It made no difference to me. You know, if I'm on the floor, i got to make plays. Offensively and defensively. Um, we take every game as its own challenge. And obviously we don't know where we are as far as the lineups and, and guys in and out. We don't know because of the protocol. So, you know, it was definitely, um, you know, great to get THT back tonight. Um, obviously he'd been out for a while, so his rhythm was uh, was off. Um, you can see in the game, but it's great to get another body back. Um, so as the bodies continue to come back, hopefully we can get as you know, close to the hole as, as possible, you know, in the near future. You know, in the Western Conference, you got some really good teams right now, obviously. You know, right now, Phoenix and Golden State um, are just playing extremely good basketball. Um, and for the majority of the season, they've been extremely healthy. Um, you know, for um, So that, that definitely helps as far as the chemistry and things of that nature. And, you know, both teams pretty much ball back the same exact team. So, you know, when it comes to camaraderie and chemistry, they have that. So, you know, obviously, you know, we want to continue to work our habits. And, you know, for me, um, obviously, I watch basketball games on off days every day. So, you know, I'm watching, seeing what's going on in our league. But. What's most important is how we can continue to get better, you know, and what we can do, you know, especially in this tough stretch right now. We have not, we have no idea what this team can be of. And when you have, you know, you know Trev, who was his first, just the second game back, um, no K-9. Um, I missed, you know, a, a bunch of games. Now AD's out, you know, and a bunch of guys in protocol or head coaches out. So how can we really fully assess what we have, you know, when we haven't been whole? We haven't, I can't remember the last time, you know, we, you know, played the same starting lineup. I had the same rotation coming off the bench. It's been a long time. So um, it's hard to assess that. Jonesy, he's not wrong by any means. And, and yeah, it was the first game back for a reason. You've got Isaiah Thomas there on a 10-day, and, and it's been just a, a crazy season for everybody. And I don't want to sound hypocritical to what I was just talking about as it related to the Raptors or any other team. But when I look down at, at what the, 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 the Brooklyn Nets were able to do last week, with next to nobody in the lineup. There were people there that I'm sure even 
you know, the most savvy of NBA fans and basketball fans had to say, who? who, Who's playing for the Nets? And I look down at a Lakers lineup that has LeBron James, DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington, Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo, Carmelo Anthony, Isaiah Thomas, Trevor Ariza, even Horton Tucker. Like, I just rhymed off nine guys there that are all names you know, players you know, former All-Stars, champions. They're in a hell of a lot better shape, even with their coach out and Anthony Davis sideline. I mean, they're in a hell of a lot better shape than most teams. And they look like, I'm not going to say they look like a, a car wreck or a car fire, but they look like they got some major issues going on. Maybe they could send a couple of those guys to Chicago tonight for Toronto. Like, just, can we borrow <laughs> yeah. some guys? Yeah. Like, can we, I have Mello? You know? Give me Mello, Westbrook, Ariza. I'll take IT as well. Actually, sure, why not? I, I know in hockey you throw your sticks in the middle. Like in basketball, maybe we could, like, line up both teams and and choose choose captains and then choose sides. Like one guy gets the first pick, then the other guy gets the next two, then the next two, then, you know, and then, like, maybe on one team you'll have – like DeRozan and and uh, you know DeRozan and Boucher, and then on the other side there'll be like Ananobi and Caruso, and like you know you just decide, you know who gets what uniform, and that team gets the win. You know it's a fairer game, and you do it that way. But no, to your point about the Lakers, e here's the thing: the other thing about the Lakers, they have played both them and the Clippers because George Carl said it yesterday. The Clippers are 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 quietly flying under the radar. Mind you, they're, they're, they're missing Kawhi Leonard. Uh, but um, the Lakers are 16 and 16, and they've played 18 home games. 18 of their 34 have been at home, and they're in a stretch now where they're, I think they were in a stretch of 8 of 10 at home. So they're going to have probably 24, 25 of their home games done into January. That means only 16 home games left coming to the end of the season. That's a whole lot of games away from home on the road where it's generally tougher. And same with the Clippers. They're 16 and 15, and they've played just a quick scan of the standings here in the West. The Clippers have played 20 home games and 11 road games. Like Staples must have a lot of concerts and hockey games planned for the new year because both of these teams are going to be on the road a lot in terms of building availability. And if you're and to your point about the Lakers, I think they should be doing better. I, I think this team is more capable of figuring things out and they they're not playing or they're not moving with the sense of urgency that they should. Maybe they're looking to flip the switch come playoff time, which is quite possible. And it's very um, it, it's very feasible that a veteran team will say, okay, listen, boys, we got to do something now. And I know there's no such thing as a, a switch to be flipped, but they can maybe they can turn up their sense of urgency, although the habits you establish become what you are. But if I'm, if I'm the Lakers, I, I'm... I'm kind of worried right now. You know, we kept saying, oh, give them 10 games, give them 20 games. 32 games, we're almost halfway through the season. And and you're still sitting at 500 and trying to figure stuff out. That's not that's not a good look. By the way, I think you and I 
might have outperformed Horton Tucker and Thomas last night. I don't know if we'd beat them two on two, but if you put us on a roster, hey, you might even hit all three shots and I might go over. But I, I feel like you and I are going to do better than a combined two of 24 and a combined 0 of 14 from distance. Horton Tucker back in the lineup, in the starting lineup, 31 minutes, 1 of 13 from the floor, including 0 of 8. And off the bench, after a solid performance the other night, and he's a great comeback story, and I hope it works out for him. But off the bench, in 26 minutes, Isaiah Thomas, 1 of 11, 0 of 6. I'm not even going to throw in Rondo's 0 of 2. 1 for 11 for IT, hey. 1 for 13 for Ty. 2 of 24 combined and 0 for 14. Jonesy, we have to shoot better than that. In a, in a humble way, I know I'd shoot better because I always had coaches that, like I in, in, the, in the desk drawers of many of my coaches are applications for shots in games stamped, denied, turned down. <laughs> like, okay, there was a point where... Man, if it wasn't a layup, I wouldn't taken it, and because I knew if I missed, I was coming out. So, so, and this is this is at a pretty high level too. I had one coach telling me, "Don't take that shot, coach." I was open. He said, "There's a reason you're open. Pass the ball to X player. He's the best player in the country. Pass it to him." Okay, all right, I got it. I got it. So yeah, I'm doing better than two of fourteen because I'm not taking shots that I'm not taking. But that's the freedom you have to play with E when you know there's nobody that can sub in for you. Right. True. You just True keep enough. firing away. You just keep firing away. Uh, oh. Just quickly to mention as well, Kyle Lowry uh, falling short of a triple double last night. Miami gets the victory. The Heat sitting up in the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, uh, and a big game last night as well. You might not think it, but if you look at the standings, it was certainly a big one. Dallas and Minnesota, as the Mavericks beat the Timberwolves and leapfrog the T Wolves in the standing, as Minnesota drops now uh, below 500. The Mavericks sitting at 500, and the Pelicans beating Portland as um, the Portland Trailblazers have fallen six games below 500. The Pelicans sitting at 11 and 21, second last in the West, but they have won three in a row. All right, let's step aside for a moment and come back with our friend, our colleague, for his regular hit, Alvin Williams Wednesdays. Up next on Smith and Jones. Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones, with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith and Jones and or download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Joining us on the line right now for his weekly segments as we get set for, we think, we think we get set for the Bulls and Raptors tonight. Uh, we bring into the conversation Alvin Williams, and I want to throw some potentially breaking news at you. Mark Stein, who's been covering the NBA for a hell of a long time, one of the best national writers out there, broadcaster as well, tweeted uh, Jonesy as we were ranting in the uh, first 30 minutes. Now hearing Raptors at Bulls tonight is at risk for postponement because some of Toronto's emergency signees from the G League showcase in Vegas might have to go right into health and safety protocols. Toronto still might not have enough players for tonight's game. Alvin Williams now e, on the line. That's Alvin, like, <laughs> sorry, wait, Jonesy, wait, go wait. ahead. Go ahead. E, e, that's like that's like a kid wishing for a snow day and it happening, right? 
like sleeping your clothes overnight so you get a snow day, right, Al? You know what that's like. You got kids. Kids are like, come on, man, give me a snow day. I don't got to get up and go to school. Heck, never mind the kids. Some of the teachers and principals like, yeah, man, give me a snow day. Give me a snow day. So I'm sure that's what's happening with the Raptors right now. I'm sure some people are saying, give me a snow day, man. Well, I just dropped to the floor and did some uh, stretches just in case they call me. I'm stretching. <laughs> I, I get I get on the plane and go over there. They, Al, they might need you. In fact, Al, let just, me ask just... you something. Go ahead, Jonesy. Al, let me ask you something. What's a what's a prorated ten day contract? Because E and I will take one. I mean, I take one of those and I'm set for life. And and I ain't going like Horton Tucker and all those dudes. Two of fourteen. I'm only taking shots I can make. So you're gonna see my line at like one for one. 12 minutes left with an injury and six fouls. Like an ease line will be zero for zero, uh, eight minutes, six fouls. Fastest foul out in NBA history. But I'll, I'll get that bag, man. I'll get that money. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to grab it too. I, I, with my 10-day, I had a 10-day with the Clippers that time, and I, I took it. I was, I was happy, although it happened total by total luck, and it happened at the craziest time, but I took it. And I'll take a pro-rated one for one day, too. It's funny. Just as a quick aside, I know I've told this story before, but I, only because you brought it up, Al. That that 10-day that you had with the Clippers, that was the time, Jonesy, where I'm sitting in the bar uh, at the uh, at the Beverly Wilshire, one of the, one of the fancier hotels on the road, and we're sitting in the lobby bar, and like five yeah, feet or ten this. feet behind me is Rod Stewart, and he's he's like surrounded at a table by like a bunch of beautiful women that were probably uh, half his age, and half the bar, if not ninety percent of the bar, is just just bug eyed staring at it. it's Rod Stewart. And I'm at the bar having a drink with Jack Armstrong, and Jack could care less that Rod Stewart's behind him because five seconds later, who turns the corner, walks into the bar, Alvin Williams, and Jack shouts out, Alvin! And the whole bar looks over and like, who the hell is this guy? Alvin Williams, Rod Stewart sitting over there. Like, anyway, I digress. We're, we love you, Al. We love you. Who cares about Rod Stewart? We got Alvin hey, Williams. Hey, I told you before when I did sign the 10-day contract, and I, I think it was Corey Maggette's brother, and they didn't know I played ball. But one day I'm in a, fan, I'm in a section with the family watching Catino Mobley play. Next day, Sean Livingston gets hurt. So Mike Dunleavy was my first coach. He uh, asked me, he said, hey, can you still play? I was like, yeah, I can still play. He signed me to a 10-day. So that was a, that was a Wednesday. I played on Saturday. We had practice on Sunday. I think it was Corey Maggette's brother. He's in the gym shooting in our practice facility, and he says, hey, man, if you can make it, I can make it. And it just kept going on. Everybody thought I was just a fan out of the stands. They didn't even know I played ball for the Raptors at one point. So no one knew who I was except for Jack. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> it's funny, Al, okay, yesterday. So, so Al, I, I, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Go ahead, E. No, 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 no take go it, ahead, Jonesy. E. I, I was, I was, I was I saying. Was say, oh my goodness! I think we've, I think we've got a technical issue on one of our ends. So, so we'll figure it out here, folks. As Jonesy and I continue hey, to step on each other's toes. Like this is the like, signing new players, man. We got to get on the same page. Yeah, no kidding. It's like the ultimate Canadian show right now. No, please, you go ahead. No, no, please, you go ahead. Please go ahead. What I was going to say, Al, was I was watching yesterday on, uh, on on Twitter. I can't remember who or how or why it was posted. It might have been – you know what it was? I think it might have been NBA Canada posted. It was like 
21 years ago to the day or something, Michael Jordan suiting up in a Wizards uniform against Vince Carter. And Vince went off for 19 in the first quarter, 23 in the first half, and then the, the, the Wizards and MJ held him scoreless in the second half. I don't, really have, I don't really have a question here, but I'm watching the highlights and the real grainy, old-school, non-HD whatever. And there's Alvin Williams out there trying to do his best on a couple of possessions, trying to shut down MJ, who was having a, a vintage Chicago MJ moment from time to time in that game. And I, again, before we talk current day and COVID, this is just a nice little distraction from all the BS right now, Al. Man, what a thrill it must have been to, to play against so many guys that you had a chance to play against some of your heroes and dudes that you watched and followed and admired growing up. And I got to assume that MJ's right up at the top of that list. No, for sure. But I, I feel like you're taking a lot of shots at me today, asking, like, comparing me to Rod Stewart and then trying my best to stop the vintage MJ. It seems like I'm taking a little, you know, a little sideline shot you're giving at me. But I'm not, I'm not going to take it personally right now. But yeah, it was great. It was great. It was great playing against Michael Jordan. I, I remember. I remember the first time playing against Michael Jordan when he was his, his my rookie year was his last year, and just the way the Chicago Bulls came into the to the arena when I was in Portland, and it was just like a rock star, a whole rock band, and the shoot around. You know, people outside the shoot around. That's usually that's the dead period of the day. It was so packed out there. It was like it was the game. It was the beginning of the game, and it was just shoot around ten o'clock in the morning. But the impact that he had in the game, me watching him come up all the way from North Carolina to the Chicago Bulls and then getting the chance to actually play against him with the Wizards and really, you know, getting significant minutes on my side, it was tough. And I saw a lot of times, and I during the game, I would say, damn, if this was 1996, or imagine how good he was then because his moves were still crisp. He still could elevate on his fadeaway, get away from you. So I was just I was lucky that he was forty some years old at times I tried to guard him and he still was giving me the blues at times. Al, you must have had that rock star thing going with Vince. Like there was a point there when we know that NBC was changing their national TV schedule to put Vince Carter on TV, even though he was in Canada and he's scoring fifty one against Phoenix and he's he's giving people work and. It must have been like that. You you must have had a bit of that, you know, I'm traveling with a rock star, like I'm hanging with the Beatles feeling when when Vince was in his heyday too. It it was, man. And once again, Vince and I came in, you know, I came in a year before, but, you know, I was there in 1998 with the lockout year, and Vince and I, we didn't sign our contracts yet, and we couldn't practice. So Vince and I used to sit on the ride the bike and do things while the team was practicing until – we signed our contracts. And then Vince and I would go to the mall and things like that, and no one would know who Vince was. And I swear to God, about two weeks later, we could, I, I wouldn't go to the mall with him. I wouldn't. I would not. It was, it was the most unbelievable thing and turnaround overnight from his popularity and the way he was actually playing. But I, I've seen it all with Vince when, you know, going out to clubs and restaurants and just hanging out, things like that. And it's funny, Vince was just in, in town with me in Philly, and we got a chance to, for the first time in a long time, just sit down and have dinner. And it's still a thing. People still coming over to him and trying to talk. And he's, he's, he's in a much better place now because it, came, it became annoying to him. You can start seeing him mm -hmm. react and respond to different people at different times at that moment. But just realize he wasn't used to that. Now he was very embrace, embracing 
He was he was taking his time, talking to people, laughing, joking, having conversations. So it was good to see. It was good to be around him. But that moment where Vince, he was an absolute rock star. I would say he and Allen Iverson at that time were the two people I was around, and they could not move. They could not move or have any privacy or any place to themselves. So it, it was good to witness. But I wouldn't I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade my shoes for his at all. Al, that makes me think of. You know, just in general, and we've talked about this probably a bunch of times over the years when a rookie comes into the league, and let's maybe tie it to Scotty Barnes right now. Uh, whether it's the rock star treatment or just the, the, the treatment and the, the, the um, adjustment, I should say, maybe is a better word, to life in general, to go from being a, a 19, 20-year-old kid in, in college or just a couple of years removed from high school, and all of a sudden, boom, you're in the pros. Maybe you're living in a different state, in a different country. You're traveling all over the place. You might not even be of legal age to get into certain bars and restaurants and whatnot in the U.S., but here you are thrust into the spotlight, and that's got to be just a mind-numbing experience if you're not, you know, from a maturity standpoint, prepared for it and, and, and ready to, you know, tackle everything that there is. And if you don't have a, at least a vet, let alone multiple vets, or someone that you can lean on, that's got to be tough on life, let alone on the job itself. No, it is tough. It's, it's one of those things that I, I believe if you haven't experienced it, and maybe not even from an athletic side, from any side, being young and thrust into a spotlight, thrust into a lifestyle that you have ample free time, but a lot of responsibility. And it's some responsibility that you're not prepared, you're not mature enough, you never had it, whether it's finances, whether it's taking care of family members, taking care of yourself, taking care of the team. All of those things tie into a young person coming into the NBA. When I say young, it's 25, 24, 23, 19. Those people are young, Mm -hmm. very young. So there's a lot of pressure, but you start seeing how people are, are maneuvering. And the younger generation, they're doing a great job. And they have many more challenges than we had back in the day from the social media. They're accessible to everyone, right? They're accessible to everyone. You talk about events, you only had events, you only had access to events when you saw them. And if Vince decided not to go out or he would be around security or whatever the case may be, then you couldn't get to him. Now, these young people, young men, young women, they, they have the social media. They have people, they have outlets. They, they, they have a lot of things where people feel like they can connect to them and they are connected to them. So that's even a challenge in itself. But you're right. It's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of things that go on in that young, a young athlete's mind and in their lives that the normal folk, we couldn't, we couldn't even process it. Al, I, I want to take the other, uh, go to the other end of the spectrum and something you said that piqued my interest a while back when you talked about your 10-day with the Clippers. What's it going to be like for these guys tonight? Uh, DJ Wilson, uh, you, know, you know, some of the, 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 the new guys, Goodwin. Like, what, what, what Brent, what's it going to be like for these guys walking into a locker room if they're able to play for with guys that they, I don't even know if I would say would never met, might have played pickup or might have worked out with them, but they know them, but they, don't, they know of them, but they don't really know them. They haven't played with them. You're trying to learn a few basic plays on the run because everybody runs the same stuff with different terminology. And, and like you've been in that situation and you get out there and uh, I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is playing pickup and watching when that team's on the, on the court, they've won three games 
and one of their guys had to leave or two of their guys had to leave and they still hold the court and they say, okay, you and you, you running with us. And you're, <laughs> you're kind of trying to figure it out on the fly, right? Like, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. want to win because you want to stay on the court. But what's it, and you've been in that situation. What's it going to be like for those guys tonight walking into that Raptor locker room? I think just having a, just having that moment where you're realizing a dream is coming true and this is an opportunity and not put too much pressure on yourself and not, and not try to do too much. I think it's, but it's also that piece where I got to do, I, I want to do more than just fit in because this is an opportunity for me to be seen on this big time stage. And it's not necessarily who I'm playing with. It's who I'm playing against, right? I'm playing against ball. I'm playing against right. DeRozan. I'm playing against Zach Levine. I'm playing against guys where I want to show that I can compete and do well against those guys. So that's when you have to rely on your team and you have to rely on, you know, doing the things that, you know, with, that's involved with the team. Nobody here is going to get, you know, signed because they scored 35 points a game. That's not going to be their role. But can you fit in? Can you be relied on? You know, but you want to go in there and do well. So there's, there's a lot of things that's going to fly through their mind. But it's just to simplify it, try to do as much as you can and the best job you can of doing what the team is asked and going out there competing, whether you play or you don't compete, I mean, or you don't play. So that's the biggest thing. But they, I can I can imagine the excitement, the anxiety, but but the chance to take advantage of this opportunity for these young athletes because these are pros too. They've been in the game for a little bit, you know, the G League, and they've been having a short stints with other teams. So it's another opportunity that they can take advantage of. Al, I want to circle back to something we were chatting about earlier in the hour, uh, non-Raptor related. The Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, listen, they're going through what everybody's going through, health and safety protocols, guys missing, guys hurt, Anthony Davis out again. But as I was kind of half serious, half joking with Jonesy, you know, I looked down at their roster uh, last night when they get blown out by the Suns and compared to what Toronto might put on the floor tonight against the Bulls, assuming that game is played. You want to, you know, send me to battle with – LeBron James, DeAndre Jordan, Wayne Ellington, Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo, Carmelo Anthony, Isaiah Thomas, Trevor Ariza. I'll take that. They're 16 and 16 right now. What's happening in L.A.? Taking a bunch of names. <laughs> Taking a bunch of names and sometimes putting names together don't don't fill out the roster the way it needs to be filled out as far as winning. So you, 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 named, you named a lot of players that are older, that their skills are diminished, and it's not a bad thing. It just happens, right? But we look at it from the outside as a Rajon Rondo, a, a Jordan, a Wayne Ellington, a Carmelo Anthony. They're not the same players that we, we've seen in the past. You know, even LeBron James, he's playing at a high level, but he's not going out there with that same type of energy and that same type of approach, you know, in the regular season that he's done in the past. These guys right now, they're older. They just want to get past this moment and try to make sure the chemistry is there for the playoffs which unfortunately a lot of times you, it builds before the playoffs. Like all of those things build before the yeah. playoffs, your reputation, the fear you put in other teams build before that. These teams are not afraid of LeBron James' Los Angeles Lakers, right? They're not afraid of those guys, and they can't wait for the opportunity to say, I kicked LeBron James' asses or I kicked their butts on the team. So it's just one of those things where these teams with the rosters and the names, it doesn't mean much, not to these young guys. These young guys are studs, man, and they, they can't wait to get a name and, and play against these teams. And they're just not playing well collectively. And, you know, the chemistry is not there. 
Al, and, and I, I know we got to go. We're almost up against the clock here. But I, I, you know, I'm a golf guy, and it was the same thing with all these young guys. You know, Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy, and all these young guys saying, "Oh yeah, man, I want Tiger in his prime." And Phil Mickelson looked at him and said, "Dude, you do not want any of that." But as you said, the young guys now—they're they're brash, they're fearless, and you know, they think that to them, they don't care that he's 36. It's LeBron. And when I beat him, I beat him. So Eric and I were talking about this. They're hoping to get to the playoffs and turn up the sense of urgency, but it might be too late then. Yeah, it'll it'll be too late. Because once again, you build up that, you build up that chemistry. And even though last year, right, when they was in a playing game and you get there, you get, you, you beat the, you beat the Warriors, but then AD gets hurt, right? And you're getting older, right? So these things happen. You build up, you condition yourself for the playoffs. You don't use the regular season and then just say, we're in the playoffs, just turn it on. It, it typically doesn't work like that. Now, if you have all the talent in the world and things like that, but you look at the great teams, waiting, like just recent with Golden State in the past, when they were winning some championships, that was building up. That year, they were having great regular seasons. And if they stayed healthy, it would have been some things where they would have won champion, more championships. But it's just the case you can't rely on your talent and your name all the time when you get to the postseason. And to your point, Jonesy, it was we talked about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was with the Wizards. But Paul Pierce, Tracy McGrady, Vince, they didn't care that that was the Wizards, Michael Jordan. They were going to treat him in their opportunity, just like he was the Chicago yeah. Bulls, 1990s Michael Jordan. So they can't – like the young people are, are, are waiting to get to those older guys, and they really don't care. I mean, you have – you have they have a level of arrogance and confidence that sometimes we frown upon but it's something that's how they're going to stay competitive, and that's how they're going to gain their name. And that's what the older people would have done to their generation before. So it's a cycle of how, how it happens. You heard Drake say it. Your, your idols become your rivals, and, 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 and that's what it is. So you just got to be ready for it. Al, uh, 8 o'clock tonight Eastern. We assume the Raptors at the Bulls uh, enjoy the game, and we'll, we'll talk again soon. I don't think we're going to be talking before – uh, Christmas, so happy holidays to you and yours, your entire family. Stay safe and healthy, and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to, to you next week. Thank you. You guys as well. Merry there Christmas, Al. Alvin Williams. Again, Raptors and Bulls, and I say we assume because there are some reports swirling now that maybe the game is in jeopardy if the Raptors ultimately can't put a team on the court based on their emergency signees potentially, uh, one or two of them having to go into health and safety protocols as well. It's an ongoing story. Snow day, and, uh, snow, yeah. day snow day, snow day, snow day, snow day, snow day. It only took flying all the way to Chicago to potentially get a snow day, but oh, man, 2021 can't come to an end soon enough, I guess, or at least COVID can't come to an end soon enough, but We're still battling through, folks, and we will battle through another hour. Next hour, lots of NBA action and NBA chatter coming your way, uh, including Stu Jackson and a whole lot more. It's Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review as well uh, as we continue on. Jonesy, on a a bizarro day, I know you – 
jokingly chant for the snow day to end, uh, to end excuse me, last hour, and it may ultimately happen again. We don't have any further information right now, just a, a tweet, a, a short report coming from Mark Stein, uh, the uh, fabulous national NBA writer who is saying that he's hearing rumblings that the game tonight between the Bulls and Raptors might not happen because certain players that the Raptors just signed from Vegas in the G League showcase may be entering health and safety protocols as well. And I guess the league, let alone the Raptors themselves, trying to figure out if they ultimately do or do not have enough players to actually put on the floor tonight. And do they meet the league minimum requirement? So it's kind of a, an ongoing gong show, to say the least. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, I mean, if you're the Raptors, you're the coaching staff, like you players, you have to prepare like you're, you, you've got a game. You, you got to treat it that way. You can't, you know, you can't hope that there will be a snow day and the test will be canceled. Like you, you have to prepare uh, as if you're going to play. And um, it's just, it, I mean, it's just the world we live in as much as I'm joking about a snow day and, and postpone the game. The NBA doesn't want to do that. They, they want, they want the games to be played. They want, um, you know, they're, you know, seasoned seat holders there where they haven't reduced capacity in Chicago the way we have in Toronto. And there, there's all kinds of, you know, ancillary and supplemental headaches and logistics that come with the postponement of a game. So they want to, they, I'm sure they want to get through it and get past it. And one of those, we always use the phrase sometimes when we get through something that we didn't want to do or we didn't do it as well as we wanted. Well, at least it's done. And I, and mm-hmm. I think that's got to be what the NBA is thinking right now. Got to be. Well, the uh, Raptors and Bulls are scheduled to be one of six games on the schedule tonight for the NBA. Uh, Magic and Hawks, Cavs, Celtics, Rockets, Bucks, Nuggets, Thunder, and the Clippers and the Kings, the late night game tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern. And again, the Bulls and Raptors scheduled to go at 8 o'clock Eastern in Chicago, the man that will be calling the action for that game. And we can talk a lot of basketball right now, but we can maybe dip our toe into a little bit of football as well. The television voice of the Chicago Bulls, and you know him from Fox Sports football as well, and Major League Baseball action. The man does it all, Adam Amin. Adam, appreciate the time as always. Uh, Gentlemen, good to hear your voices as always, my friends. Yeah, I wish I wish we were Adam seeing you in person to, tonight, getting set for the game. Him. I wish yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Same here, guys. I know, really and and I understand we we uh, we don't get to do that right now for the time being, and, and that makes me a little bit sadder. But uh, but I, I'm glad that we get a chance to catch up this morning. Jonesy, go ahead and take it. All right, Adam. I, I wanted I wanted to ask you about um, your view of things when. Um, you know, Eric and I have been talking about the postponements and you have been right in the middle of it with, you know, your trip to Toronto being postponed and, you know, the Bulls suddenly going from, you know, one, two, five, and, and then like 10 guys in the protocol. Your, your thoughts on, I mean, the Bulls kind of escaped in a sense that they didn't have to play those games undermanned. Here are the Raptors coming in potentially to play one of the better teams undermanned. I, I just want your look from a competitive um, competitive fairness standpoint at at today, tonight's game, and you know your thoughts on what maybe what the NBA should or shouldn't do. It's and again, I say this in a vacuum, right? We're just kind of taking small portions of time 
a day, two days, three days, and trying to condense them and try to make the best decision possible. I'm not necessarily looking at this from the largest perspective. It is important for me to feel like teams are not at a true disadvantage. That's why the Bulls got a break after they went to Miami. They lost a bunch of players before that game to the health and safety protocols. They had a very undermanned lineup that night. They got beat pretty badly. And that's an important game for them in the sense of the standings. You know, in that in that vacuum of that couple of days and how we're looking at the league and how we're looking at the, the teams that are playing, you're thinking, all right, this is an important game against Miami, a team that you might play in the playoffs, a team that you might be battling for, uh, battling with for playoff positioning, for seeding, whatever it may be, uh, and, and a mental advantage at some point because Miami has beaten the Bulls twice now this year. Uh, they played that game under man and got blown out, rightfully so. And I think they got a break by not having to play Detroit, by not having to travel to Toronto when they were as undermanned and they continued to be further undermanned after that Miami game as well. And they were able to come back on Sunday and they got a week, essentially a week off, which as it was written about here in Chicago came with some level of advantage. And we're not, obviously we're disregarding for the, for the moment, some of the medical issues that may, that, that may have popped up. And thankfully a team that's fully vaccinated and, and, you know, heavily boosted, uh, only one of the cases was even mildly symptomatic. That was Troy Brown Jr. Uh, the rest of the cases were, were asymptomatic, which is a positive sign. I think seeing how this is affecting one team, I know that this is going to affect others. And most fan bases around the league aren't necessarily going to care if another team is dealing with this. They're going to say, well, well, you know, if, if it were to – when it happens to the Sixers, they go, well, if it happened to the Lakers or the Nets, then they would postpone the games. And when it happens – to the Bulls and they don't postpone games immediately, they go, well, if it happened to the Lakers or the, or the Sixers, they, they postpone the games. And then, and then the Bulls get a couple of games postponed, and I imagine there were teams around the league that said, oh, well, if we were the Bulls, then we would be getting postponed right now, too. We'd be getting that break. So it, it, it's hard at times to try to comprehend exactly what the thinking is, but you're taking a lot of data for a small portion of time and trying to apply it properly to what the best-case scenario is at that moment. And that's, I feel like that's how the league is trying to play it. Whether that's the best choice, I can't say. I don't think anybody truly can. But it's certainly one that you can have a debate about and have some questions about. But I think that's what the league feels like they're trying to do. You know, Adam, listen, I, I, the, I don't even know if it's a question I'm about to throw at you, more of a statement. So there might not be any more of a response to the statement I'm going to make than what you just gave. Because I think your explanation, your analysis was was level-headed, the most level-headed I've heard, including from myself. But everything you just said is exactly – if I scroll through my timeline right now on Twitter, I just five minutes ago uh, in the commercial break, I had a guy talking about why are you baiting, why are you baiting Raptor fans by tweeting why is the game going on tonight? Because I'm, I'm questioning why the game is happening. You've got the Raptors crossing a border with guys then potentially that might test positive being stuck in the U.S. Maybe they can't get back into Canada because they test positive. And you've got seven rotation guys. And as Jonesy said earlier in our show – you know, it's not like, with due respect, it's the 14th, 15th guy in the roster that's barely playing. You got four right. starters and three key guys from the second unit that are out. This is a major, major issue for the Raptors, and it seems like a super uncompetitive or, or unbalanced advantage for the Bulls tonight. And I guess what I scratch my head at is, and you said it perfectly, Chicago fans think that there's a conspiracy against the Bulls. Raptor fans in Toronto think there's a conspiracy against the Raptors. Every fan base thinks it's a conspiracy, and that's not happening. I just can't put my finger on what the league is doing or how they're coming to their decisions. Why did Brooklyn play last week against Toronto, but they're not playing this week? 
Why is Toronto playing in this game tonight, but they didn't play against the Magic two nights ago? Why is tomorrow's game between the Nets and the Blazers postponed? But it, like, it, it doesn't seem like there's rhyme or reason right now. I'm sure there is, but it doesn't seem like it's being made public to us why the league is picking and choosing certain games and not the others. Yeah, and it, and it concerns me a little bit because of the product. If, if we're looking at it strictly from a business standpoint, because looking at it from a medical standpoint, we've already moved the goalposts so much, right? Like if, if in an ideal world, I would imagine a lot of us would just say, listen, if people aren't healthy or something's going on, we should probably back off. And it's an easy thing. I understand for me personally as well, it's an easy thing for me to say that. It's an e- it's, 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 um, I- I'm not the one who has to make those decisions. I'm not the one who's affected by the travel as much, but, you know, like other people are. Like you said, uh, you know, the, the part of the reason I was relieved in a sense that we didn't travel to Toronto was because I didn't want to get stuck over, you know, over the border. Uh, not that I wouldn't love two weeks in Toronto, don't get me wrong, but, but sitting in a hotel room for 14 <laughs> days, you know, doesn't, doesn't necessarily feel as appealing in Toronto as much as I love the city. So I, you know, I was, I was in a sense relieved, but it's easy for me to say that because I'm not the one making the decision. I've been vaccinated. I've been boosted. You know, I've gotten my booster. I'm, I'm traveling. I'm being tested uh, on, a, on a weekly basis when I'm travel, traveling for football and all of that. So, you know, precautions are out there for me. Those aren't necessarily out there for everybody. Now, if we're talking in the business sense of the NBA, the product is going to diminish. If that's the concern, what, what, what are the optics like? And at times it does feel like the optics are more important than the actual decision, you know, are more important than the actual decision-making than any other factor. What's it going to look like? Not is it the right thing or is it the wrong thing? It's what is it going to look like? And when you put essentially a team, and obviously Mark Stein has reported today that, and I'm sure you guys have discussed it plenty, with, you know, maybe the Raptors aren't able to field a full team tonight. Mm -hmm. That hurts the product, too. That hurts, not only are, are we talking about the medical side of things, but it hurts the product that we're watching on the floor and I don't think it's, you know, we, I remember a few years back, and, and you guys will remember this, when LeBron and some of the Warriors players, when LeBron was still in Cleveland, uh, some of the Warriors players, the Spurs players, Popovich would hold guys out on some of the Saturday night ABC nationally televised games because they would have to play a back-to-back. And the schedule hadn't made that, the, the, the league hadn't shifted the schedule yet to allow for space when you were playing a nationally televised game because they wanted players healthy and they wanted them in it. They changed the schedule rules the following year to accommodate what the players were feeling because they didn't think the product on a Saturday night in front of 3 million people watching was going to be very good if it was the 12th guy on the Spurs bench playing the 7th player on the Cavaliers bench. That wasn't going to look good for the league. And they were able to make a decision. And obviously it's it's different circumstances. I understand that. But it felt like the league adapted and it at times again it's easier for me to say but it doesn't feel like the league is adapting in the same way because they're just trying to power through past December the 26th Adam I I really do want to talk about the Bulls and how people I think underplayed them and downplayed some of the subtle moves and raised an eyebrow at some of the things they did and yet here they are second in the east I, I do want to get to that but you said one thing that 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 uh, that struck a chord with me. We talked to uh, ra- uh, former Raptors and Golden State assistant Jama Mahalela uh, yesterday about coming to Canada. And for him, it was coming home. But what's the 
perception about, because we are a little bit more stringent up here, I think, with some of our protocols. What's the perception of coming to Canada during COVID? And as you said, oh, man, I don't want to get stuck up there because it is another country. And, and I, I just feel that that's, that's pervasive right now throughout the 29 teams that are not named the Toronto Raptors in coming to play games in Canada. Teams are, they're, they're you know, they're, they're leaving broadcasters, they're, they're leaving players, they're just careful about coming here and not wanting to get stuck. Is, am I right in that assumption, in that perception, Adam? I think so, but I don't think it's for the, the same reasons that I would initially think of. I think, I think there's a comfort level with Canada. Uh, especially in the NBA, we're so familiar with with Toronto. We're so familiar with with the area. You know, I've I've been going there for you know, gosh, four or five years now, covering games, covered big playoff games there. You know, Paul, you and I have had a lot of opportunities to sit down before a game and chat. And it's always been a, it's a pleasure. And same with you, Eric. And I think we, a lot of us in the NBA, are com- so comfortable with Toronto, even with the customs and and. Uh, you know, just getting into the country a little, you know, the, the process that it takes, whatever it may be. I think we're so comfortable being up there that when there is a shift like this, that it's a little bit jarring. Now, there are different rules state to state in the United States as well. And you guys understand that if I go to Texas or I go to Florida, the the rules may be a little bit different compared to if I come to Illinois or I go to California or if I'm in New York. And we're used to that, but it's not as if I have to automatically stay in Texas or stay in Florida. I, I can still move freely about the country, essentially. And when, that comfort with Toronto has been taken away because we're so used to it. Mm-hmm. We, we got so used to being able to travel in and out. I mean, I, I, I love flying in to, to Bush and, and just taking Porter and, and flying in. And I'm right downtown. And my comfort level with flying into Toronto over the years has gotten you know, better and better. And suddenly that shifted. This past year, when we started traveling again, we came to Toronto, obviously, for the first Bulls-Raptors matchup. I think that's the reason why. I don't think it's necessarily a Canada versus America thing. I think because, the goal, again, the goalposts have moved. Uh, they have shifted again. I think that is what has thrown people off. The same thing is happening here in Chicago, guys. They're, they're, the Bulls are requiring vaccination uh, proof as of January 3rd. And before it was you could bring in a negative test. Now you have to be vaccinated as of January 3rd to come to a Bulls game. And if you look in the comment section, which is I don't advise you to ever do in any capacity, but just for the sake of the, <laughs> for this conversation, I, I looked at the responses and the first two, literally the first two I saw, one was a, a thumbs up and one was a thumbs down. And it's and that if that isn't the uh, polarization that you're going to find here in a lot of these discussions and arguments and and uh, and, and events. I, I, I feel like that's a pretty good microcosm of what we're dealing with in this country as well when it comes to this topic. Uh, bang on. Bang on, Adam. Uh, speaking with Adam, I mean the television voice of the Chicago Bulls. You know him from Fox Sports as well, football, NFL, Major League Baseball, et cetera. Adam, before we go maybe back to the Bulls and, and the game we assume is happening tonight, you, you mentioned a little bit. I'm interested, uh, hopefully the audience is too, just on a, on, a, on a personal level, on a human level, and a professional level, I suppose. How have you handled the, all of the various things that you kind of laid out there, navigating through different cities, different states, different countries, different protocols, different, um, you know, some places that are that are very lax, some places that are very tight, and then you being thrown into the belly of the beast sometimes, depending on where you're being, you know, uh, 
set up for your broadcast position, either among the fans, some are masked, some are unmasked, and, and you don't know, you know, like you're, you're, you're exposing yourself, but at the same time, you're also saying, hey, I got a job to do, I got employers to work for, I got a life to live. It's, it's I, I'm going to assume not always an easy decision, but how have you kind of navigated the last three months, six months, 12 months, 24 months almost? Uh, like, what's it been like for you? Yeah, I, 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 I imagine I, my habits, uh, have mirrored that of a lot of people, and I think a lot, you know, many people have really cut down on the time that they spend outside. It's, it's just it, it is what it is, and and during the summer, I probably feel a little bit more comfortable being out. And of course, this past summer, when vaccines were available and and it felt like you know things were moving in a positive direction, yes, I felt more comfortable going out to a dinner, going out with friends, seeing some people that maybe I hadn't seen over the over the course of the first you know, 10 to 12 months of, of, of the pandemic. And my habits are probably mirroring that of a lot of others. Now as you know, this variant starts to see through, you know, our country and through the NBA in particular, all I can do, and you, and you kind of summed it up for me, Eric, all I can do is operate with the best, uh, you know, I guess just to be as precautious, uh, to take as many precautions as possible and to try to, operate in that same kind of vein i don't I, I don't shake everybody's hand the way i used to i'm a big hugger you guys know this about me like i love i just i hug people all the time it's, it's how i express to people i appreciate them uh it's, it's something that brings me joy to show somebody that i care about them i don't do that as much and that's just a habit i've had to shift yeah. in my life uh you know like i said i i was told it, it was mandated for me and it was probably the best in my best interest to get vaccinated and, and get a booster i did those things because it makes my job, maybe not easier, but it puts me at ease in a, in a bigger fashion to, to do those things. It puts me at ease to be masked up for as long as possible until I have to go on air. Uh, I don't go out to the, to the floor at 6 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game the way I used to. I'll, I'll stay back in, in the dressing room or in our little green room for, you know, until like 6.30, 6.40 some nights because it's just I'm just limiting my own exposure. And you, some people, I'm sure, would look at me and say, "Well, this guy's paranoid." Maybe, maybe I am. That's fine. I'm just, I'm just kind of operating in the in the fashion that makes me feel as comfortable as I possibly can, without putting other people, you know, making other people feel like they have to be uncomfortable around me. I try to adapt as much as I can. I imagine a lot of people have mirrored those habits. Yeah, no, exactly, Adam, and and we're the, all the same way. We love catching up with colleagues and you know we we you know you and I have talked about it you just talked about it we we stand out there at midcourt and you know talk to each other about our respective teams and and players and coaches and trainers walk by and you, they stop and they get into a conversation with us and then we carry like that stuff is is it's it's all slowing down and I I I agree with you I don't think it's being paranoid I think it's it's being smart, being prudent. Um, I, I do want to ask you about the team, though, Adam. Uh, a lot of people looked at the Bulls, and, and we know one of the guys, Mark Eversley, that's there. He was here when they drafted DeMar. And to see him kind of go full circle and re-sign DeMar all these years later, um, a lot of people were kind of saying, oh, we're not so sure about Chicago, the Lonzo Ball trade. And, they, you know, you pick up Caruso. Yeah, he's okay. And like you know the DeRozan signing and suddenly with Billy Donovan and it's one of those things where the the sum of the individual parts leads to a greater whole than those 
those individual pieces. They've been terrific this year. And I think a lot of people underplayed that, Adam, when those sightings were made. So the phrase, this isn't the right phrase. It's just a, a, a reductive one that comes to mind. The, this is like an island of misfit toys in a way. Uh, somebody described the Bulls to me as such uh, a, a week or so back. And I thought that's probably a little reductive, and it is, because DeMar DeRozan is far from a misfit toy. He's a four-time All-Star, and obviously you guys have an appreciation for him that, that nobody else can understand. Nikola Vucevic is a two-time All-Star. Lonzo Ball has improved every single season. He was be- becoming more of a core piece in New Orleans. And Alex Caruso has been praised endlessly by LeBron James uh, as to what type of teammate and high IQ player he is. And Zach Levine is an all- was an All-Star last year for the first time. These aren't misfit toys. But all of them have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And I think part- that's part of the reason that it's worked. If you wanted to, I, I did an article, or I talked to somebody from Complex the other day, and they asked me this very same question, like, why did people underestimate the Bulls? And I think it's the chip on the shoulder mentality that has made them good. But it's, it's if you want to debate the contract value of DeMar or Lonzo or Caruso or Vucevic, or if you want to debate if Zach Levine is a max player or not, those are all perfectly acceptable conversations to have. If you want to say DeMar, well, DeRozan, $24 million for DeRozan a year, that seems like a, If you want to say that, that's a perfectly valid discussion or debate to have. That you could have that debate with every player in the NBA. That's a fair discussion to have. But I was shocked to, feel, to, to hear so many people think that the mix wasn't going to be good. DeMar's been one of the best mid-range players in the game, and he played, a position, he played out of position last year and had a great season. He, he averaged seven assists a game last year. Uh, Vucevic is a two-time All-Star, but he was in relative anonymity in Orlando. Zach Levine, the debate around him has been pretty heavy over the last two years. And Caruso, while being praised by LeBron, you could probably say he was no more than a role player. And I think that that those narratives around these guys for the talent that they have, I think the combination of all of that, the the balance of basketball ego between high-level players that seems to be in one really, really good harmony. I, I, I thought it was going to work. I didn't think it was going to be a, a potential 50-win team. I'd be, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't have gone that far. But I thought this would be an improving team that would win 40, or 40, you know, 40 to 44 games. So I was a little surprised at the conversation and narrative around the Bulls considering the talent they brought in. Adam, I want to shift gears just for a couple of minutes uh, that we've got you, uh, you know, on, on the show here just to talk football for a second. Uh, and the one that jumps out to me, and I, I admit I'm wrong, I've been wrong, and I've been proven wrong week after week. A team that I don't, I continue, even going into this week's action, I continue to say, are the Cowboys really that good? You saw them uh, against the Giants uh, over the weekend calling action for Fox Sports. How good are the Cowboys? How dangerous are they when you talk about the best of the best in the league, let alone in the NFC? And, and maybe just give me your overall assessment of, of this you know, bizarro world that we've seen in the NFL this year with so many teams seemingly at 7-6, and 8-6, and 7-7, and seven, hovering around that 500 mark and the battle for playoff jockeying and whatnot that's going on in both conferences. Well, I think Dallas is a team that's been a little bit confusing at times this year. They were so good offensively in the first half of the year. They, they, they were as good as any team in the league. Prescott got hurt, the calf injury, he comes back, and the offense hasn't been as good. And he, he told us last week that he felt healthy, so he didn't want to use that as an excuse. He said he's missing reads, he's misfiring on throws, and that's been an issue, obviously. 
they haven't been healthy all season long up front. You know, they've had a lot of shifting on their offensive line. They've, when they've been at their best, they've had the best offensive line in the league. That's when Zeke Elliott was running for, you know, 1,000, 1,100 yards a season, and it was behind arguably the best offensive line in football. That line has shifted a lot more this season. I think that's part of it. Defensively, they're exceptional. Trayvon Diggs is having an exceptional year. Micah Parsons is having a phenomenal rookie year. Have, you know, Harry comparisons to Lawrence Taylor in his play, impressive. And I think up and down, they have a very deep defense. I think the rest of what we've seen in the league has a lot to do with the perception of a team like Dallas or a team like Arizona. These are double-digit win teams that have had surprising losses. They've been inconsistent at times. Arizona just lost to Detroit. So you think, well, what's going on in the league? I think it's more obvious in the AFC, but it's, it's been a, a, a narrative in the entirety of the NFL this year is that the parity is really good. Uh, it's really high right now, and that is a credit. Uh, now, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I, I don't think we can necessarily say at this point in the season, I don't think the proper terminology is who's the best team. I think the way we should gauge how good a team is in the NFL is how consistent are they. Are they consistent? Because there's so much talent in this league. The parity is high. Anybody can truly beat anybody on any given week, and that's always been the, the case in the NFL. But it feels like it's more so this year. And I think those seven, you know, seven and seven, eight, you know, the seven, eight, nine win teams that you're seeing, even the six win teams that are still kind of in the hunt for the playoff race, I think a lot of it has to do with the high level of parity and the lack of consistency from teams this year. And I think the most consistent teams are going to be the ones that are in the playoffs by the end of it. Those are the teams like in Arizona, like a green Bay, uh, like a Kansas city, who's finally figured it out as of late. I think those are the teams that are going to be making deep playoff runs. Hey, Adam, uh, back to the bulls and Raptors, assuming it's happening uh, tonight. Have a great call. All the best for the holiday season. And we will look forward to uh, speaking with you soon and hopefully even better seeing you at some point soon as well. All the best. Thanks for uh, chatting with us today and joining us. Thank you, boys. I appreciate you both very much. Thank you. Thanks, there Adam. Adam Amin, play-by-play <laughs> voice of the Chicago Bulls and uh, Fox Sports football and Major League Baseball as well. Jonesy, the Raptors are going to need somebody to, to go off tonight. Again, assuming that game does go off, the Rap- I don't know if it's Utah Watanabe, triple-double watch. I, I, some, somebody's going to have to step up in a big-time way and, uh, and, and really you know, surprise if the Raptors have a shot at knocking off the Bulls in Chicago tonight. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to play with great energy. Um and if they're going to win, they're going to really have to defend and get lots of stuff from their defense and, you know, limit the Bulls as best they can. And the problem is the Bulls have this guy. Like, I looked at something the other named DeMar DeRozan. I looked at something yesterday, Eric, where people had their top five, uh, some list top five MVPs. And it was, you know, the top of it was predictable. You know, it was... Curry, uh, Durant. Durant, Durant, Curry, you know, and then down at four and five, they had Luca and and Jokic, and I'm thinking no. those teams are barely 500. Like I, somewhere the narrative is shifting around winning not mattering. Like Dallas is 15 and 15, and 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 Denver is 15 and 14, and I don't know how you don't count a guy like a Donovan Mitchell up there for Utah. I, and, and I look at the East. Like, if I was picking MVPs, DeRozan would be third on my ballot right now behind Steph and 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 Kevin Durant, as I said, in any of those 
one of those orders. And I think I said that yesterday to you, 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B. You know, Chris Paul, like, like I don't know how you have Luka Doncic and, 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 and Nikola Jokic in front of Chris Paul, in, in front of DeMar DeRozan. Their teams are winning. And, and somewhere this gets twisted to me. It's about winning. And, and any guy can put up, even on a lousy mm-hmm. team, some guy puts up great numbers. Like Damian Lillard's putting up good numbers. But his team's 13 and 19. He's not an MVP candidate right now. So anyway, I, the Raptors, back to your original point, they're going to have to be aware of DeMar, their old, their old uh, franchise player, because he's just massacring people in the mid-range, as he has always done. He's not changing his game. It works for him, and you stop it, and it's the football mentality. Until you stop it, I'm going to keep doing it. No, you're 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 bang on. You know, a guy a guy that used to be like that for the Raptors too was Kyle Lowry. How, how much could the Raptors use a guy like Kyle Lowry, bringing that defensive acumen and, and and intensity into a game like tonight, and and that you know win at all cost type mentality? That's what the Raptors. They all have to have that bulldog mentality going into this game against. Actually, you know what? Speaking of Lowry, we, I, I I forgot to mention this earlier. Let's let's just quickly do it right now before we step aside for a moment. Last night, the Heat blow out the uh, Pacers, and Kyle Lowry actually misses a triple-double by a bucket. It's not like he was he was searching for that last rebound, that last assist. He was 3 of 9 from the floor, finished with only 8 points. He had 8 to go along with 11 rebounds, 12 assists. And uh, here's Lowry after the game, after the win over the Pacers. Like, you sort of tapped out there, like, I'll, I'll go without it tonight. I don't want to get injured ahead enough. What was it like there to be that close to something <laughs> that's still meaningful? Yeah, it ain't meaningful. I, don't, I ain't going to break no record, so I don't really care. Uh, shout out to Freddie. I, I decided not to get it because Fred Van Vliet didn't get his, so I didn't get mine. So that's why I was like, you know, I'm going to keep it. You know, me and Freddie didn't get one. So, no, I mean, literally, it's one of the things where everybody's like, hey, try to get one. And once you don't get it, you don't chase it. I'm not going to chase it. And I'm not going to be thirsty for it. I don't care about it. You know, I, I have enough in my career to be a six-foot guy. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the amount that I have. But when it comes this close and you get a win, even without it, it feels a lot better. A little shout out for his uh, for his buddy's old teammate Fred Van Vliet, who uh, who did recently narrowly just miss out on the triple double, Jonesy. And uh, it, interesting from from Kyle talking about that one uh, as uh, as uh, you know he's he he racked up a bunch of them here in Toronto. Um, but finishing a bucket shy last night with only eight points. And Miami, hey, they continue to look pretty good. They continue to look pretty good sitting there uh, in that four spot in the Eastern Conference, and they're just hanging around in that conversation with the Nets and the Bulls and the Bucks and the very surprising, continue to be surprising, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, and I think the winning thing is what's giving Evan Mobley – an edge over Scotty Barnes right now in the rookie of the year balloting. People are going to look at Cleveland and how well they're doing. And the fact that, you know, Mobley's team is the third seed right now. And even though Scotty, I I think might have, and this is something that you, it's tough to judge looking at numbers. I think Scotty's having a bigger, maybe a bigger impact on his team with, defending, scoring, rebounding, passing than Mobley, who is impacting winning, but he's doing it, uh, he's not doing it to the same passing, ball handling, playmaking extent that, that Scotty is. So to me, that gives Scotty a little bit more of an impact. But when we look at the bottom line of winning, the Cleveland Cavaliers 
You know, they, they, th- they sit third in the standings at 19 and 12. They've won six in a row. And that's, and that's going to give Evan Mobley an edge. Jonesy, breaking news. Snow Adrian day. Sham Sharania. Jonesy, get your snowsuit ready. Get on that big onesie. Find that toque with the pom-pom on top. <laughs> ESPN sources prior to the league postponing tonight's Raptors-Bulls game. Toronto's OG Ananobi has entered the league's COVID protocols. That is now eight Raptors in health and safety protocols. So OG Ananobi now in health and safety protocols, and the league has postponed tonight's game between the Bulls and Raptors. What a gong show. It is a gong show. So that's eight Raptors. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Wow. Well, let's uh, let's take a break and come back and see if Stu Jackson can make any sense of this. He used to work in the ivory towers. Maybe he can give us a sense of what's going on inside the offices right now. Oh, boy. It's Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Back on Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review as well. We've got a busy one today, and uh, we're hoping to hook up with Stu Jackson shortly. Uh, again, if you missed it just before we went to break, if you haven't heard the news, tonight's game between the Raptors and Bulls has now officially been postponed. We've been talking a lot about it over the course of the last 90 minutes or so. Why was this game even played, uh, being played in the first place? And as it turns out, the Raptors fly to Chicago only to find out, unfortunately, that uh, OG Ananobi has now entered the league's health and safety protocols. And as a result, tonight's game against the Bulls has been postponed. And Jonesy... Uh, I, I, I don't want to speak out of turn here. I I don't want to provide any misinformation, but I'm interested to know what this even looks like now with the Raptors in Chicago with a player that has entered health and safety protocols. Uh, the next game for the Raptors is Sunday in Cleveland. That should give the Raptors time to hopefully get some players back, hopefully, potentially. Uh, but at the same time, does OG stay stateside then and just make his way to Cleveland? Exactly. Is he stuck in Chicago? Can he come back to Toronto? If he comes back to Toronto, I assume he can't be on the charter, so you got to send him a separate plane. Uh, I, I don't honestly know the answers to all that. I'm, I'm mind-boggled like everybody. I was thinking the same thing. Like, so is he stuck there? Because, like, the Arrive Can app would say, would ask, are you positive? Have you been around somebody that's positive? Like all of those questions that that I know has had people, um, you know, friends of mine uh, in the education realm and, and canceled trips over this Christmas, over the holiday break. And, you know, one of our one of our good friends who's a who's who's a season seat holder that sits 15 seats behind us. And, you know, in the middle, right, right up, we can turn and wave to him all the time. I haven't seen him at the last few games. I'm like, are you okay, bro? Are you like, what's going on? He goes, I got a trip planned for, uh, you know, for the holidays. I'm not, I'm not going out. I don't want to be exposed to anything or anybody or so what happens, what happens to OG? I know some of our colleagues uh, didn't come across the border from the U S to be involved in games in Toronto because of, um, not being able to answer the questions in a satisfactory way to get them into the country. So I wonder what happens to, to OG. Um, man, it's just, a, it's just a mess right now. And 
we're all trying to navigate our way through it. It's crazy. Okay, let me give you the ultimate preface. And actually, before I even get to that, I should mention Stu Jackson is not going to be able to join us on the show today. He's got some personal stuff going on. He's been great to us in the past, and he was scheduled to join us. In fact, the the fact that a guest even texted to say, I'm sorry, I can't come on, um, you know, that shows what kind of man he is and what kind of person he is in the class. It's a great word, Jonesy, class that he has. So we'll get Stu on, whether it's tomorrow, next week, whatever. But, again, he's got some personal stuff he's got to take care of. He's not going to join us. So it's just you and I to, to close things out here. Um, now I've forgotten what I was going to mention about, about, uh, about OG Ananobi. I know what it was, Jonesy. Again, I don't wear a lab coat. This is just an average Joe sitting at home asking the question. And I don't know if you have a similar question or if you can enlighten me or provide any sort of uh, um, you know, perspective on this. Am I wrong to think that what we've been told by the medical experts, what we've been told by the scientists and the people that we, or at least most of us, trust and believe in, it sounds like if you have one, none, and potentially even two vaccines right now, you are still exposed or potentially exposed susceptible to the Omicron variant. Most are saying right now that if you get boosted, there's still potential, but you've got more antibodies, you got more juice in you, you got more protection. It's not a guarantee, but you should be good to go. Now, you can't force anybody to take a vaccine or a booster you can heavily suggest and 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 steer and i'm looking at the league specifically if you already have i believe i saw the number was something like 90 plus percent uh that's that's double vaxxed and a great deal i believe it was something like 60 65 percent is already boosted or soon to be boosted or whatever jonesy if you were actually able to hit the pause button for two weeks for everybody, or even if it's not two full weeks. Like, I know that they need to get in this Christmas Day game because of money and contracts and TV deals and, and advertisers and everything else, much to the chagrin of a lot of people. Even if you then were to say, as of today, we are shutting it all down until January 2nd. That gives you, what, 10, 11 days. Even if you said, fine, we are playing the Christmas Day games, but that's it. Nobody's playing tonight, nobody's playing tomorrow, nobody's playing Christmas Eve, nobody's playing the 26th through to the January 2nd. We are playing Christmas Day. Now, that might be talking out of both sides of your mouth. That might be completely stupid. Maybe you could walk away from the money and the contracts and everything else and just say, nope, screw it, we're, we're not playing anything, period, as of today. But if you allowed yourself that time to allow your players, coaches, trainers, Support staff, PR folks, uh, 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 broadcast, anybody, anybody associated, connected with the team, around the team, anybody within 10, 15 feet of the team, allow them time to either A, get healthy if they're currently in protocol, or B, go out and get the booster. Would that not avoid the ongoing daily gong show of playing, not playing, postponed, not playing, postponed, yes, no, yes, no. Like, shouldn't you just allow yourself to save your business the time to properly manage this and navigate through this and know full well that on the other end of two weeks, you're still going to have some guys that pop up 
in health and safety. But I would assume, and again, this is a guy without a lab coat, just an average Joe at home staring at a blank wall right now. Would that not give you time to protect more people, allow themselves to get ahead of this a little bit more, and navigate through what will be choppy waters, but not as choppy, not as monsoon-like as it is right now. Am I wrong? No, I, I think you're right, Ian, and, and it's just, um, it, it's, I, guess it's, I guess it's the logistics, right? If you, if you put a kibosh on it for a couple of weeks, you've got all these games to deal with again. And we know how difficult it is to get the schedule out and, and how, how much they work on it and, and, and how, how crazy it is. Now, within that, you're going to continue some and you're going to try and squeeze all these others in. And I'm sure that was the bottom line with the NBA in trying to continue on and play on and push through to get as many games played and not have to reschedule postpone games because you've got a CBA to work around there. How many back-to-backs and how many days off and all of these things. And it just makes it more difficult. I'm sure they'd much rather just, well, it's not great, but let's get through it with that kind of attitude. You know, the, the, the show must go on. Uh, and and it's, it's just becoming more and more difficult to do that with more and more players going into the protocol. Like Toronto went from... What what was it like? Golden State Saturday. They went from two Saturday to we're at eight now in three days, right? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and mm-hmm. and and here we are with you know with with uh, on Wednesday with eight more eight guys. So they went from well they actually went from none on the Friday to eight less than a week later. It just happens that quickly. So you postpone those games, and and now what? You got to find times to make them up, and it, it's it's. I don't envy the NBA. I don't I don't think there there is a. Uh, I don't think there's a, you know a, a blanket solution that works. I listen. I don't disagree. I'm not saying it's easy. I just think that where there's a will, there's a way. And I apologize for throwing the cliche in there, but you know. I don't even know if I'm being critical. I'm just asking the questions. I, 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 I'm glad I'm not in that. I mean, I, I certainly don't make enough money to be put in that position to, to make those types of decisions and to be put in that type of situation that Adam Silver and all his staff is. I'm not saying it's easy. I do not envy what they're going through. I just think that uh, – and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not just picking on the, the, the NBA here. I'd say the same thing about the National Hockey League. Yeah, okay, they shut it down a couple of days early for their Christmas break, but why not take a pause? It's clear – that things are running rampant through society, but certainly through pro sports. So if you could hit the pause button for two weeks, would you not be able to find ways? I mean, yes, it's going to mean that you're going to extend your season into your regular season, I should say, into late April instead of mid-April. Or maybe it even dips into May a little bit. And maybe it means that you're going to have to deal with with fans and, and sports radio broadcasters bitching and moaning come May or June when you go, why is there three games between a game and the playoffs? This is ridiculous. Well, it's because we had to make up games in April and May for our regular season, and now these concert venues or these skating shows or these whatever conferences are in the buildings meant that we couldn't get certain days. So, so there are longer pauses, and things are stretched out more. But you know what? 
it allowed us to keep people safe. I'll say in all of this, too, and maybe it was a, a point that we should have underscored a little bit more, Jonesy, at least as it relates to the Chicago Bulls, if we can use them as an example, based on what Adam Amin told us, there was only one player that was what you would traditionally, you know, I guess justify or, or describe as quote-unquote sick. Adam said every other player was asymptomatic and felt completely fine. But they were kept away, obviously, to be safe, so they didn't spread to anybody else. So from that standpoint, if we can use the Bulls as an example and take Adam for his word, and there's no reason we shouldn't be taking Adam for his word, that might be what society is going through right now, too, as the variant and the virus runs its course. A whole lot of people are going to get sick. A whole lot of people already have gotten sick in the league and in general society. But a whole lot of people feel absolutely fine, are asymptomatic. Why? Because they've either got their booster and or they're doubled up and they're good to go. But it's that we're trying to protect everybody else that's either half-vaxxed, unvaxxed, or has uh, immune issues, et cetera, et cetera. Right? And if you were able to shut this down and get yeah. most of your league protected and up to speed, then, as I say, going forward, hopefully then, anybody that gets the virus is asymptomatic, doing fine, and could be back on the – because here's the other thing we get caught up in. I know we're up against the clock. I think we get caught up in it specifically in Ontario and maybe in Canada – the 10 to 14 days. If I'm not mistaken, the NBA says as long as you return two positive, or excuse me, two negative COVID tests in a 24-hour period on back-to-back days, you can be cleared. I might be wrong with that, but I don't believe that you know even OG Ananobi is out for 10 days. He could be back in five or seven. Like the Raptors could have a bunch of people healthy in time for Sunday's game against the Cavaliers. But we, as a society, at least here in the GTA, are thinking 10 to 14 days. Like, you and I will miss broadcast yeah. if we get sick, knock on wood. But we'll probably be able to do the radio show because we can just sit at home. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It just our, – our world is uh, – it's fluid right now. It's changing, and you just – you just have to adapt to what's out there and make the best of every situation you can. And it, 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 it uh, punctuates the point that people stay – you know, limit your – stay safe uh, because we're trying to contain this thing as best we can. Thanks for tuning in to Smith & Jones, folks. Make sure you subscribe to the pod wherever you get it. We'll be back again on Thursday.